Hey, welcome everybody. This is Jim Minnery with another episode of Family Matters. Um, I always uh, want to make sure that we thank our friends over at Rieger Physical Therapy. That's RiegerPT.com. Cortland and his team of uh, physical therapists over there are um, essential for those of you who need physical therapy, and they are allied with uh, what you and I stand for if you're a listener of Family Matters. And um, you know, it's becoming more apparent um, that uh, as the council culture gets um, more prevalent, that uh, we want to have uh, friends and allies who are not only supportive, but, um, you know, that have our backs uh, figuratively and literally in case of, uh, in the case of um, Rieger PT. Anyway, um, our guest today, before we uh, um, do our little monologue here at the beginning um, of Family Matters, our guest today is uh, Senate President Peter Machicki. And yes, we do have a Republican-led majority in the Alaska legislature. Um, it's been that way for some time. Um, there was a coalition back in the day, um, a few sessions ago, a few years back, and uh, we were able to be a part of turning that around. And, and, and th- at the beginning of this session, it looked as though um, the, at, the, at the end of the election that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and there was just too many um, too many divides between senators. But uh, Peter Machicki gave him credit. He was able to pull that together, and that was a, um, a wonderful thing. On the House, of course, um, it's a different story. There's uh, it's a 2020 divide based on Louise Stutes, uh, a Republican, I would say, so-called Republican out of uh, Kodiak uh, that has um, consistently ca- uh, um, caucused with the Democrats. And you know, the reality is that, that that's just something that um, I'd like to think that she at some point would be held accountable for that. By the people, and, and we will do our part in terms of trying to find someone uh, to run as a Republican that will um, allow a Republican majority to form, because it's really the only way that we can advance any of our issues, um, you know, regarding family and, and faith and freedom and, and pro-family, pro-life stuff is when we have a Republican majority in um, in power. Uh, not to say that there aren't Democrats who are allied with us, and in fact. Um, you know, we do what we can to work with them. I think we could probably do a better job of that in terms of reaching out. And, um, you know, I guess I'm just saying this out loud right now, but it would be nice maybe to have a conversation with some of the Democrats um, in office uh, to see what their views on, on this are, on the on our issues are. And I can think of Chris Tuck, and uh, who's a representative from uh, from South Anchorage, and and uh, and also Donnie Olson uh, from up in the Nome uh, uh, area, who's this uh, Democrat senator who are allies. Um, but there are others uh, that I think that we could probably have a conversation with down the road. I mean, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but um, you know, certainly in in such a divided. Uh, country right now after what we've just gone through with the election um, there's a lot uh, there's a lot of healing that needs to take place um, certainly uh, as believers we need to be a part of that and and, and, and actually lead in that arena so um, stay tuned we'll see how that plays out um, 
but uh so some of the news that that got my attention i mean we can we can talk about uh the cancel culture which is happening um so uh vehemently and and aggressively across the country i'm seeing uh organizations that i um i know well lifesite news um there's a, recently a, a very prominent uh um crisis pregnancy center um, out of Indianapolis, uh, that's, that has done phenomenal work that's been shut down by Facebook. Um, there's a Wasilla man or a, sorry, a Wasilla woman who's been fired from her job. This was reported in must read Alaska, but she was fired from her, uh, job for having a gab or parlor social media account, which is just, uh, you know, lunacy. She's a, a literary agent in Wasilla and she was abruptly fired for having two social media accounts, one at Gab and the other at the the now defunct Parlor. Um, and it's just uh, it's getting more commonplace. And I hate to hate to you know bring it up because in some ways it's it's depressing, but it's also a challenge and a, and a wake up call for those of us um, who uh, realize that the left's goal, really, I wouldn't say every liberal's goal, but the left's goal certainly um, is to shut down um, opposing views that they don't believe are um, appropriate. And you see that with President Trump and Twitter and uh, on Twitter. And you see it with this lady in Wasilla. You see it um, uh, with... You know, I just heard about someone in um, who's a contractor for the the U.S. government, uh, working with the Armed Services Department. She had been for twenty some years, and because she had been a Trump supporter, uh, she was canned um, and and fired and let go of her job and is unemployed now, simply for supporting our last president. And so, uh, what can we do about that? I mean, we can certainly. Um, let our voices be heard, uh, although that's getting more narrow uh, as those opportunities dwindle. But um, we're going to do, we'll probably do a show here soon on the different platforms, um, alternatives that we can um, access, uh, because that needs to be, um, you know, that needs to be front and center for a lot of folks in in this arena, not just those of us like uh, here at Alaska Family Council and the Alaska Watchmen and, you know, any conservative call, any group, um, the Must Read Alaska. There's going to be a continued pressuring on those uh, those types of voices to shut down. And so we have to be more aware of other alternatives and there are other alternatives. In fact, I was looking at um, something from, uh, you know, Life Facts, which I told you before about, or LifeSite News, rather. And uh, I would recommend going to that. Go to, go to lifefacts.lifesitenews.com. Um, lifefacts.lifesitenews.com um, under resources. And uh, it's a whole uh, list um, saying goodbye to Twitter, saying goodbye to Google, saying goodbye to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, all of those big tech groups that are uh, um, you know, really in a, a battle for free speech. Uh, we need to be able to, um, to shut down their ability to silence us. 
And so we have to have new platforms. It's just that simple. Um, and it's a shame because you'd think that in a, in a, in today's day and age, uh, and the history of, um, of totalitarian regimes across history who have shut down voices and have said very specifically that that's one of the ways that they can take control of people is to shut down voices and to erase history. Um, but it's happening right now. And it's because we gave, um, these, uh, mega tech companies, the ability to, uh, um, to control our voice. Um, and, uh, the internet is not owned by anyone. Um, but it truly is controlled by these big tech companies that are, uh, unfortunately not able to uh, live out the, the true tolerance, um, mindset that they claim to have. So anyway, we'll talk about that more and maybe even talk about it a little bit here with our guests coming up, uh, these final three segments, uh, Senator, uh, Peter Machicki, who's the uh, Republican Senate president right now in the uh, Alaska legislature. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back with uh, Senator Peter Machicki. Take care. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Jim Minnery with another episode of Family Matters. Very uh, um, privileged to have uh, Alaska State Senate President Peter Machicki on the line. Peter, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me on today. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's it's really awesome to know that we have this majority. Um, it took some uh, time and, and planning and behind-the-scenes work that you uh, orchestrated uh, in large part, and uh, we'll talk about in a little talk about that in a little bit. But usually, the way we start off here is there are folks who may not even know who Peter Machicki is. So, uh, how about we start off just uh, introducing folks with who you are, how you got to where you are right now in terms of your journey. Um, and uh, I was just thinking to myself before we got on the air, uh, explain where the uh, your last name Machicki comes from. I've never talked to you about that, but um, anyway, let let, let folks, uh, folks know who you are. Right. So uh, I guess in the order of uh, priority, I'm a, a Christian, a uh, husband, a father, and uh, now someone trying to steer this state in a better direction. In a nutshell, uh, born, raised in Florida, came up for the summer as an engineering intern in the early 80s. That summer's lasted 40 years. Um, my parents are still upset about it, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a great journey. I started in politics as a local city council member because I noticed um, the city council sort of aging and losing a focus on family health, family activities, and uh, they were just moving in a direction that I couldn't support. So started a city council, and then the next year the mayor ran for the borough mayor, and folks liked the direction we were going, and uh, ran for mayor and won. i got to tell you, I've never expected to win a race, so it's always been a little bit of a surprise. And I was mayor for five years, and I watched the state uh, being in budgeting and finance my entire career with ConocoPhillips. I saw that we were heading for a perfect storm financially and uh, decided to get involved. I did not expect to win, um, but I did. And uh, people saw the job we were doing in Soldana. We had cut taxes three times. 
um, without cutting any services. We made it a lot more efficient. We returned to a lot of uh, healthy family activities. We put a focus on the people that were living in our city as opposed to a small minority of folks that wanted to do things uh, away without kind of uh, paying more attention to what families needed. So anyway, here I am. And uh, this August, I worked hard to get Republicans across the finish line. And in the Senate, we ended up a 13-7 majority. And it took three months to get um, Republicans to kind of push aside some of their issues and finally organize. So we're a little behind the eight ball here, but we're catching up fast. We were ready on day one, and uh, we started our committee meetings this morning. So we are on back on schedule. Well, that's an encouraging thing because, um, you know, we've we've sat through as an organization. I've I've mentioned this multiple times, but going all the way back to our founding in 2006, there's always seems to have been. I haven't I haven't looked at this actually, uh, you know, with a surgically, but I, I think if I'm not mistaken, we've almost always had some kind of a bipartisan coalition either in. Um, in one chamber or the other. Um, ironically, you know, I, I do remember, uh, and this was before we even started as an organization, but some of the things that we got done uh, uh, more than ever were when we had a Democrat uh, um, governor because we had such a strong legislature uh, that we were able to um, override his vetoes. Um, but uh, that was again before our organization started, but uh, it, the reality is we've always wanted to go uh, in the opposite direction of these coalitions because we have so much um, history uh, that the, the the deal that always seems to be made is that the social, cultural, you know, hot hot button topics. Although you know what's not hot button down in the in the capital nowadays in terms of PFD and COVID and budget and everything else, but it seems as though our issues are always thrown under the bus when other visit the coalition. It's been that way in the House, been that way in the Senate. And so that's why we're so glad that there was a, a Senate majority formed on the Republican side. We're not a political organization. Unfortunately, most of the Democrats, um, not all of them, but most of them are not allied with what we do. Um, and so it sounds like because of the uh, makeup of the Senate uh, and the committees, that that our issues, and we can talk about that here shortly, but we'll be getting some hearings at least. Um, but it's obviously going to have to go across um, across over to the other chamber. And you know, it's not your uh, it's not in your bailiwick right now. But is your sense that those guys are going to be able to put it together? And um, it's a 2020 toss right now, and a lot of people are asking me. Well, what happens if they don't uh, get to that majority 21 on either side? What is the – how does that play out? Well, I certainly hope we're not heading for another month like it was two years ago. I mean, the, the so I, I had a mantra while organizing. Both sides knew that I was not going to organize with the Democrats, and that's simply because Alaskans sent – 13 Republicans and only seven Democrats to the Senate. And the way the majority right. minority system works is that's how we should organize. I had the both sides of my Republicans were trying to pick off a few Democrats to do something different. And I said, guys, I'll be in the minority. I'm, I'm the people in my district and the people of Alaska made a choice and I'm going to respect that. And that is we're going to organize as Republicans first 
I believe in our platform and the planks of that platform. I wrote many of them. I am a sort of Reagan Republican that that uh, believe in what is on in those planks. So I think they're they're important to me. They're important to my family. In my view, they're important to my God. And and I was not going to go the other way. And my mantra was whatever it takes. When I would have folks looking elsewhere to say, that's fine. If that's the way you want to go. You don't want me in the minority, um, but if that's where you put me or if that's where I decide to be, I will tell you I'm not going to be a quiet adversary. And and finally, um, that whatever it takes philosophy worked out on the last day. I mean, we had a rough morning that or meeting that morning, and I made it clear we're gonna we're gonna swear in a president at 11 o'clock. Are you with us or not? And uh, obviously, we had 13. We added a 14th with Lyman Hoffman. I approached Donnie Olson, who's very aligned with our family priorities, um, and uh, he chose to stay with the Democrats. But we have a great team. We have a great team of of 13 Republicans and one Democrat. And um, the things that matter to us um, are going to be heard. We we are going to have those discussions, and I don't have a harness of, on anyone. They are free to say what they want. You'll see that in our press conferences. We have members that represent every different choice, financially, the PFD, social issues, and we're going to let them talk, and we hope we can move some of the, the items that are important to us forward, and I've talk to house members and I've said just remember what I use the entire time through you know hundreds of hours of phone calls and raising the money to get people across the finish line finally getting us organized whatever it takes whatever your differences are organize as Republicans and make this happen or else Dunleavy's on an island and the Senate can't get what's important to, to us across the finish line so I I hope that's the way they organize I'm encouraging them every day Push the silly stuff aside. Remember the big picture. Remember what's important and get it done. Well, I, yeah, I guess, I mean, I love that. Uh, I love that. And I, I'd love to think that, that that's possible on the House side. I mean, it's come down now to, you know, people that are, are had said before that, oh, they couldn't put up with David Eastman. Well, they are putting up with David Eastman. Some of those folks who, uh, have problems with him as we do. I mean, we went against him in this primary. We we don't think he's nearly as effective as he could be because of his tactics. But people put that aside and decided to uh, to ally with the Republican um, group down there. But Louis Stutz did not, and the Independent from Barrow did not. And I guess you know it's so hard for me. It sounds like they're pretty uh, solid as this twenty member. Uh, Republican um, group, but I don't. I, I'm just. Uh, I'm at a loss to think of who's going to come over from the other side. I mean, Chris Tuck would be one that comes to mind because he seems rational and um, he's an ally in terms of what he's told people about our issues. Um, but I don't know. I guess um, you know it, it's it's beyond your control. It's beyond my control. I mean, you know, we're going to continue. I try to. Um, connect with some of the members uh, on the, the Alaska House to encourage them, ask what we can pray for specifically in terms of what might happen. But, um, 
you know, it's uh, it's un- I guess so. The the question then comes back to what happened a couple of years ago when there was this game of chicken, and you know, in the house, and they couldn't organize. And it was thirty days, and it was more than thirty days, and then finally some people blinked, and of course it was Republicans as always, and and some of those folks were held accountable to that in terms of Chuck Cop and Jennifer Johnson. Um, you know, Gary Knopp unfortunately died in, in a plane crash, but it's like. Um, it's amazing to me that uh, that they're still not there, and but there there is truly a possibility that they may not come together and uh, have a majority on either side. Does that does that preclude them from even uh, voting on a budget? Um, I mean, we're we're down to uh, thirty seconds before this first um, first break, so I'm gonna let you chew on that because. I, I still, uh, like I said, I've been asked by people, well, what will happen now if if neither side blinks? And uh, the Senate is obviously going about doing their business, but these guys on the House, it looks as though they're firmly in place with 2020. Um, and so let's talk about that a little bit more, and then we'll nail down some of the specific issues. We're talking with Peter Machicki, folks. We'll be right back after this first break uh, here on Family Hey guys, welcome back. Jim Minnery speaking with uh, Senate President Peter Machicki. We were just talking about, um, you know, how wonderful it is. And and, and truly, um, you know, I've gained an appreciation over the years of trying to be able to have so many different hats in terms of understanding of policy, um, having to hire and, and manage staff. Um, and and when you're in a position of Senate president and um, and you have such disparate views of so many different issues in the Republican Party, to, to bring that together like you did um, was, is, is quite remarkable, really. And I'm sure you were on your knees and, and prayed about it a lot, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's very encouraging to see that it can be done. I mean, it was one of those things where we really were thinking, okay, we, like I mentioned, we've had coalitions on both sides for a while. For a bit there, I was thinking we're going to have coalitions on both sides, um, and that would be not good at all, um, not only for Governor Dunleavy but for our uh, organization that deals with these social issues. But you put it together, the House hasn't yet. Uh, we'll move on to some specific issues here in a second. But um, so the big question: uh, if they are not, what is the what is the consequence if both sides continue to play chicken? So oh, yeah, you should, uh, clarifying that both sides are still in the House because the Senate is organized and working hard. No, yeah, hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, just um, the House because you guys did yeah. what you needed to do on the Senate. So, so if those so guys in the House keep playing chicken. Yeah, so here's, you know, what happened with us is, is uh, you and Jim, you and I had talked because I was praying about it um, hard. And I just have one funny little story to tell you. Um, we were on the way to church one day and Stella, the six-year-old, said, Daddy, who is, and she said a senator's name. And I said, that's a great senator that I work with, very nice person. Um, And she said, huh. And I said, why do you ask that? And she said, Daddy, when you talk to that person in the garage, sometimes you say bad words. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, well, I'm not immune from that. 
Right. Well, I said, I'm, I'm, that is a really great person. This has been stressful on trying to get people to realize what's really important here. And, uh, and I said, that person is very, very nice. And she said, Oh, okay, daddy. Um, um, okay. But it was just out of the mouths of babes. Right. Yes. But we, we did, we prayed a lot and, and I just wouldn't, it actually in August seemed like a very low probability deal. I bet there were people around the state that, you know, were placing little friendly bets around the table because um, it seemed like it was too tall an order to pull off. And yeah. I told my wife, I'm either going to be in a tiny little office in the Capitol in the minority or, um, or not. And it, 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 the, the irony is that, you know, either the president's office or uh, a, a minority of one. But she sent me a note when I was kind of the most desperate. And she said, my two cents, ask God to give you the courage to let go. He is and has always been by your side. Amen. And when I did that, things started when I started to, you know, I quit trying so hard and I let people know, hey, man, I don't care. I'll sit in the minority, but this is the deal. We have gotten these people across the finish line. My work is to rebuild the Republican Party, knock off this rhino stuff. Remember that for Republicans that stick together, those districts vary dramatically. The politics of, of Stedman's district in Sitka, we're blessed to have a Republican there. If he wasn't there, it wouldn't be a Republican. It wouldn't be someone that supports, you know, that is pro-life, that supports what we support about the family issues in the Republican platform, it would be likely be a Democrat. And that district is very different than mine or Mike Showers or Shelley Hughes' district. That's right. So support these Republicans, get them across the finish line, and then demand that they organize together. And when they don't, okay, maybe they're fair game, right? We saw what happened in the last election. But they're going to have to do something extraordinary in the House, and that might be bringing a couple of pro-life Democrats over, and you may have to give them a significant position so they feel like they're, they have their hand on the tiller as well. Whatever it takes, don't well, let your you know, pride yeah, get I in the way. You don't yep. let your pride get in the way of Republicans organizing and get it done. Well, I mean, it's kind of like... Uh... You know, I don't, I don't want to uh, pinpoint Chris Tuck, but you know, he's been vocal, um, and he's been to a couple of our events. I consider him a friend, to be honest, and um, I like Chris. And um, we have some disagreements, of course, um, but it's going to take someone like that. And I, I guess I would have thought it was going to be that guy. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name the, uh, out of uh, Barrow, um, who's an independent, um, but he's, uh, you know, his his issue is that I'm not going to ally with this Republican group um, that uh, is going to cut uh, services based on what Dunleavy has said. I'm not down with all the details about that, but it sure seems like there's some negotiating that could occur. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, I guess in the end, um, something has to happen. I don't know, like I said, if, if they go past 30 days, if they're in the middle of the session and they still haven't. I mean, um, but in terms of um, the Senate, you guys are going about your business. What are the what are the top priorities? Obviously, 
you know, we have our budget issues that are uh, staring us in the face, and we have the PFD, PFD issue. Uh, we have people have, have talked about the elections, which I think is uh, extremely important to galvanize Republican um, sentiment again about even being involved. There's such low morality right now, or more uh, low morale right now within the Republican um, establishment uh, across the country in terms of what just transpired. A lot of folks would say that it was uh, an election that was stolen. I'm, I'm one of those. I believe that there was absolute evidence of fraud, and yet we have to move on. We have to move on. The courts didn't take it up. The Republican legislatures in those six or seven states didn't take it up, and it's on them. Um, but uh, so there's all sorts of different um, things that are on people's minds in terms of integrity of the elections, um, how we're going to continue to lock down some of these communities. You happen you happen to be in a community that I love to go down to because it's it's fairly wide open. But we're living in San Francisco here in Anchorage in terms right. of how crazy it is. So that's obviously an issue. But what are, what are the top priorities? We got a couple minutes here before the first uh, or the second break, but. What are the top priorities that have been established for um, for the Senate majority? So uh, those are obviously the budget solving the PSD issue is is required before we reunify the Republican Party, and that's my key issue this year is working with Alaskans to determine a path forward that um, they can accept and support. Um, along with that, we are we we have a bill on uh, election integrity. Senator Shower dropped. Um, that's a healthy discussion to have. We we have um, folks working on these emergency um, declarations. Now, remember, Anchorage has their own Title 29 health power, so Senator, I mean, Governor Dunleavy, sorry, I worked with him when he was Senator. Governor Dunleavy has nothing to do with the closures in some communities, but um, I do think we need to evaluate, obviously, if this happens again, what is an appropriate path forward to, you know, protect people, but still um, not destroy the economy and put people as wards of the state for the next generation because they've lost everything. So we have a lot of things to work on. Um, I don't know how much time we have in this segment, but I would like to touch on the election outcome issues because I have a word for people that care about, that are allied with us, on um, family issues as well, and I think we need to talk about it. Yeah, we have two minutes left before this next uh, break. Well, I, I, I can squeeze it into two minutes, Jim. I mean, you can, so in the state of Alaska, the only issue that I saw, and, and we will be evaluating and, and um, auditing, uh, you know, the lieutenant governor's already in that process, but we'll be pushing on the results. What I see is the automatic um, Voter ID through the PFD is problematic. We have more people registered than we have Alaskans to vote, so that has not worked well. But what it comes down to is the the Democrat Party is better at this than we are, and we're going to have to get engaged on getting our people to vote. So we knew those tight House races that looked so good on election night. We knew we lost most of them. They worked the absentees. Absentee voting has been a part of what we do in Alaska for 30 years. I used to yeah. vote absentee when I was traveling with Conoco um, regularly. They are better at it, and we have to be as good. Yeah. So there, they have, there may have been issues around the country. I don't know. 
Um, but but here in Alaska, we have a relatively tight elections system, and Republicans are going to have to get engaged and get better at getting our people out because we should be winning these races. We are a red state with some blue areas, and we've allowed things to become very comf- uh, very purple. We had we lost two seats in the House this year. So collectively in the legislature, Republicans lost two seats. We lost Lance and um, ah, name slipping by. No, we, we, I mean it's the guy from South Anchorage that had been yeah. there for Mel Gillis took his place. Yeah, Mel, Mel Gillis. And great guy, we're, great last. We're, we're at we the end of the break here. It. Let's let's take a, 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 our last break, break here, folks. We'll be right back with us. Uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Jim Minnery. Uh, we're, we're chatting with um, Senate President um, Peter Machicki, a very strong ally of ours. We were talking about um, some election issues. I agree with you. Uh, before the break, we were talking about how, you know, yeah, we can look into some things in, in Senator Showers. And I think even uh, Chris Tuck has introduced something on the House side. Uh, in terms of uh, election integrity, um, and there is a national issue. There's a national concern, certainly, of what happened. And I, I'd like to think that, despite the the U.S. House and U.S. Senate now being uh, Democrat controlled, that they still have the ability to, to advance some of those things. Um, you know, we may have to wait until uh, uh, until we retake the the U.S. House. But here in Alaska, um, you know, I, I don't think other than that big. Uh, um, accidental um, release of a lot of voter information, which I think – I don't know if I ever heard the actual reason why it was never told to the public. And I know that uh, um, Senator – or um, Lieutenant Governor Meyer um, addressed that, um, but that was a pretty big issue for a lot of people. But I don't know – um, that there's a, a massive concern that I've heard in terms of uh, uh, how the elections turned out that was fraudulent. It was basically just uh, we didn't get our people out as much as they did, and in, in, as you mentioned before the break, uh, that's on uh, Republicans. That's on conservatives to be able to get the absentee uh, votes out more or the efforts out more, and you know that's that's a massive effort in and of itself. Um, but uh, in terms of um, in terms of having control of these committees now in the Senate, um, it, it, it's it's nice to know that we're not going to have to hear some of these progressive, socially liberal bills that always end up happening in coalitions. The the, the pro life pro family stuff hardly ever gets brought up. Uh, in the coalitions, but the other stuff always seems to get brought up. It's just bizarre to me. But um, my guess is that we're hopefully not going to be spending any 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 energy as an organization battling some of these um, progressive liberal bills on the Senate side. I'm hoping, though, that we can um, utilize some of our our constituents and and come down there. Although it's not uh, to, to to advance some of the positive stuff, and we'll talk about that here for this final segment. But actually, people are not allowed in the Capitol. Is that the case right now in terms of the COVID shutdown? Well, so people that are going to come testify or guests have to go through the same testing regime. It's it's pretty locked down. I'm in favor of opening things back up. I'm okay with protecting folks. We have some um, 
of those that are in the more vulnerable categories here. We're trying to get them vaccinated and um, and hopefully relax some of the rules. I mean, we we have stricter rules here than we do in the anywhere in the public and private sector around the state, including hospitals and emergency responders. I mean, it's wow. I don't think we're any more important than anyone else. I mean, we need to still function. Um, so I'm looking for ways that we can do that, that we work for the public and they need to have access to their capital. But we're, we'll work together once the House is organized. Hopefully they organize right or we are in a um, where our issues are not going to move forward. And uh, keep talking about that, whatever it takes. When that happens, we can figure out some ways that the public can be engaged, that we can have you know, specialists in the building that can help us with some of these bills that need to get across the finish line. But we have no intention of passing nonsense here in the Senate. And, and you know, with a Biden presidency and the crazy things you're hearing at a D.C. gym, I mean, I, you know my four daughters. I, I do not want my daughters subject to that nonsense here in Alaska. Are, are we going to stand up? and nullify some of these laws in the state of Alaska, which results in a court battle, and I'm fine with that. And we know how the courts look. We often lose those um, those fights, but we've done it with, with gun rights in the state of Alaska. We've done it with gun part manufacturing. Why are we not doing it with um, being forced to fund abortion even when the legislature says that we are not going to do that? Um, wow. Why are we not standing up against our daughters having to compete a bit against biological males? I mean, that's a that's a women's right issue. Um, so, as Christians, as conservatives, we may be faced with some of these um, decisions in a Biden presidency, and we have to stand up against the craziness. And um, you know, this is not excluding people from being able to participate, whomever they are in our society. But there are certain lines that are being crossed that simply don't make sense to most Americans, and and even folks that voted Biden. I mean, many are kind of scratching their heads now, not realizing that in the first week of their presidency, these issues were going to be um, signed through an executive order without going through a process. So. We have to stand up, and I, I certainly hope that we have partners on the other side of the aisle, on the other side of the building, um, and some on the other side of the aisle that are willing to actually look in the mirror and say, I cannot support these changes. I'm going to stand up. Yeah, I have a niece who's running track down at the uh, University of North Dakota, um, and you know, there's there's a lot of stuff happening uh, nationally to expose how this is um, truly going to transform um, women's sports in this country. And you know, someone sent me a, a meme the other day that said, you know, despite the fact that Kamala Harris is the first female uh, to hold the position of vice president, she can't claim that because the progressives on our side don't like to use those pronouns. Um, so she's not even able to call herself the first female. It's just bizarre how things have turned upside down. And, um, you know, you'd like to think that we can, um, that we can advance some common sense, uh, in the state. And I think that we'll be able to do that, um, with, 
uh, with the the dialogue that we have on some of these things in the not just in the Senate in the in the committees. Hopefully, uh, I don't even know if there. I know that there's some LGBT um, stuff that was going to be introduced. That's probably not going to be talked about now um, with the Senate uh, having the Republican majority. But um, certainly, uh, th- there's going to be room uh, for that discussion in some of the local stuff that we're going to do. I mean, we—it's nice to be able to see folks like Charlie Pierce down on the Kenai Peninsula and Jim Matherly up in Fairbanks. I mean, we have um, we have solid conservatives on the on the local level that we just haven't been able to get into place here in Anchorage. That's a whole other issue in terms of. The, the battle that we're engaged now and with, you know, a couple conservatives that are doing the circular firing squad and we'll see how that plays out in Anchorage. But, um, well, hey, Jim, know, I, to, I wanna, I wanna cut in on that if I can, yeah. if, if that's okay with you. And, and just sure. the other thing we need to learn as conservatives, you got to pick your battles. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, we, we kind of do it to ourselves. I mean, we had, we had some conservatives that really care about the PFD that took out Lance Pruitt. What did that do? We would have had 21 Republicans and we'd be organized right now. And they did it for a PFD. We, some folks feel differently about a PFD. I support a higher PFD. It may not get across the finish line. And if it doesn't, we still have to move our conservative issues That's forward. Right. That's right. Um, that Democrat that promised to support a PFD has never mentioned it again. So we, we may lose the House because of it. That's and right. And then we, we have people that feel the need to tweet about every single thing that comes to mind when they're sitting on the potty at 3.30 a.m. You've got to pick your battles because each time you, you get out there on an issue that just doesn't matter, you start losing people, you, you set yourself up as a target for the left, and, yep. and we get weakened. Pick the no. things. Talk about the things that matter, that really matter, and and stick to that because we need you to be successful and we will help you be successful, but just don't get into the silly because all you're going to do is lose ground. Yeah, and you're, that's well said. We we certainly uh, had that happen. I, I was unfortunately more naive. I think I sent out a, uh, an email the, the night of or maybe the day after the election thinking, Oh my gosh, how wonderful did it look? Obviously, the absentees were were way up on the other side. I had no idea they're going to be that far up, um, and and what transpired. But you know, and, and there's some folks. We only have a minute and a half left here, but there's some some folks I've talked to who have said, especially in Anchorage. I mean, we, we've lost a lot of resource development um, jobs, as you know fully well, and have been replaced by you know expanded Medicaid um, and healthcare workers that are uh, more employed now in, in this area, at least of South Central Alaska. And that's switched the flip a little bit in terms of um, uh, going more progressive. I still think, though, that ultimately we're not a progressive, we're not more purple state. We're, we have pockets that are still um, progressive, but we've always had that. We just haven't been able to get our folks out as much as we can. But we're glad. Um, I just want you to know that we're we're very um, appreciative of the work that you've done, Senator, um, and it's just been an honor to talk to you. We're done with our first uh, our final segment here, so I want to want to thank you again for what you've done, what you've accomplished, and um, I'm looking forward to chatting with you uh, throughout the session to see how this thing plays out, and we'll continue to pray for the House to organize um, in a manner that um, that lifts up the biblical truth in the policy arena. So God bless you, brother. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for what 
you do at the family council and please members we need all the prayer we can get um don't give up on us and let's pull together and and uh, do what we need to do to make this state successful with the things that are important to us and our families amen amen brother okay god bless you peter we'll be back in touch man